Well, if you don't know why, there ain't no sun up in the skies because all the stormy weather we've been having, it looks like it's easing off a little bit today. We may actually get three days in a row without significant rainfall. But we've had rain, tornadoes, thunderstorms, flooding, followed by snow, and February has made us shiver, and we still have half a month to go. Eight county roads are still closed or partially closed as a due, to, due to all this flooding and rain. That includes Shackleburg Road where the bridge was destroyed and the flooding, and it's going to be a good while, although it's a priority, they're trying to get it done. Um, portions of Fance Grove Road, Fred Dobbins Road, um, near Townville, Mount Bethel Church Road, uh, Paulin Road, Scarborough Road, and Shackleburg, Slater Road, uh, Wakehall Road are permanently closed. Uh, could be anywhere from 30 days for some of the quick repairs up to six months to a year before everything is 100% in order. And county crews are also expect inspecting the more than 150 bridges in the county to see what else might have been damaged by the flooding and rains. And Anderson County is going to have to spend an estimated $1.5 million out of an already paltry road and bridge fund for these repairs. So it's a good time to remind citizens why it's important to support whatever measures on the ballot in November to increase funding for Anderson County roads and bridges. Because for more than 25 years, there's been a need that has been grossly underfunded when it comes to our infrastructure, particularly roads and bridges. Uh, with a, with 1,534 miles of county roads, it's estimated that the county needs between 8 and $10 million annually just to repair and maintain what we have because it's been neglected for so long and there's not a steady source of any revenue to plan ahead so they can avoid these kind of problems in the future. And current funding on a good year is less than $4 million, which is this year. They got some more money uh, set aside, thought we were going to make some progress on road, and looks like now it may end up being... Uh, Unless there's some grant money for the storm stuff, uh, that money's going to have to come out of that road budget, which is going to hurt us again. So that amount, which is likely to increase as time goes by, is taking a big hit due to the storms. And one possible proposal is a one-cent one sales tax with a five-year expiration date on it. Uh, that's likely to show up on the ballot this year in November. The funding could generate as much as $15 million per year, allowing for long-term planning on the roads, and again, to prevent the hundreds of miles of roads in the county from suffering due to lack of funding to plan to take care of them over the years. Um, ask your council person if you want to know more information about it. There's been stories in the Anderson Observer. And it is clearly a good proposal, and I hope you'll support it. And at the Anderson Observer podcast, news from people you trust, there is one proposal that I would like to make to you to go out and get a meal at Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill this week. It's going to be hard to get in, probably, except maybe at lunch. But Sullivan's is a longtime sponsor of the Anderson Observer podcast, news from people you trust. And it is now, uh, they're now celebrating their 21st year downtown. It's also the only restaurant in the upstate, I always remind people, and one of only two in South Carolina to be listed in the top 100 restaurants in America. People drive here from Atlanta and Charlotte, and it's been on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and other places. People know about Sullivan's. It's easily the best place for fine dining within driving distance. And this week, I'm going to recommend you do go for lunch because trying to get in there uh, during Valentine's Day at night, you can call and see if there's any reservations, but I wouldn't bet on it. But I would say go to lunch and try the cheeseburger, which is the best cheeseburger in its class in town. Uh, ask for either the fries, which are really good, or the amazing homemade potato salad for a lunch you just won't forget, and it doesn't cost you much more. It does anywhere else. People think, tend to think Sullivan's is too expensive. At lunch, uh, it is not, and the food there is fantastic. And do keep in mind, it, it is Valentine's week, so if you go for lunch even, you might want to go a little early or a little late. And remember the owner, Bill Nickus, took a chance on opening a restaurant downtown when nobody even wanted to go downtown. 
and he should get a lion's share of the credit for the revitalization and the renaissance of downtown that's going on now. Sullivan's also offers white tablecloth catering at better prices than you get from many of the tinfoil pan caterers. So give them a call for your special family meeting, business meeting, or holiday event. I'm sure they've already got people booked for the holidays next year. You can believe it or not, and that's 10 months away, nine and a half months away. And when you do, tell them you heard about it on the Anderson Observer podcast. There's a lot of other stuff going on in the county this month, and I talked to Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns about some of those things, and not only what's going on in the county itself, but what's going on in the individual towns around the county, as well as some interesting facts about the history of the courthouse, the courthouse square, and Anderson County. We've got the land behind the historic courthouse. This is the first time the county has owned the original land, correct? What was there when the city of Anderson was created to be the courthouse town for the county? Remind people what those roads were called and those areas were called, because a lot of people just think about the Bales Building being older, but it's long before that there were. I mean, it. I mean, this was drawn out to be the courthouse square, and then over time parts were sold off and and shortened. Now you know when they built the new courthouse, which is 26 years old now the county had to go back and purchase that property. So they restored that much of the original grant, if you will. And now that the county has purchased the old Bells property, Woolworth property, it's back like it was. But <clears throat> this is uh, the first part of February. We have another meeting this week with the developers to discuss where we are and how it's looking and things like that. And again, the county's position, the council's position is if it is not exactly perfect, then we'll continue to work until it is perfect. But that's another interesting thing that you talked about because in a lot of counties all across the country, the a town was there and then they said, okay, you're the courthouse town and then the county developed around it. <clears throat> but because Pendleton was the capital, if you will, of the Pendleton district, when they divided up Oconee, Pickens and Anderson, they said, well, we gotta, we gotta have a courthouse. So they came down here, there was no Anderson. And so they decided this is where it would be. And so the county in one of the rare cases in history predates the town. And so that's why we have this and it's all restored and hopefully uh, the people here now will be good stewards of that legacy and, and improve upon it. We won't chase this too far, but remind people what this used, these, these roads used to be called in through here. We've talked about this, you and I. Yeah. And uh, Well, the one out in front of the old courthouse was the General's Road. And that was the General's Road because it went from Abbeville up to Pendleton, and General Pickens would go up that road, and they called it forever the General's Road. And then on the two roads on the side of the courthouse, you had Granite Row, in Brick Road, because on one side you had granite, Elberton being the granite capital of the world, and we're not too far behind if you do a construction project near the lake, and Brick Row. And so those that's what those two were called forever in a day. So I just think that's very interesting for people to know. But the, what you think is Main Street used to be called the General's Road. I wonder if we could incorporate any of those names into the new buildings and stuff. I, I would hope fun. that we could honor the history. There's several buildings around here where they have murals, and the city's fixing to do a mural right now where you could incorporate that old history because I think it's important that people know that history. And as I've said before, some of the people who love the history of this area are people who aren't from here.
they just come here and they go, well, man, I'd like to know all about it and where it is and how it started. And so, yeah, there's a big demand for that. And that's increasingly becoming the, the bulk of our populations, people who aren't from here. There are a whole lot of people who weren't born here, and there are a whole lot more of those people coming here. But then you juxtapose that, and last night I took a tour of the Ore House, which used to be Orr's Tavern, which is where former Governor Orr was born. And allegedly that's one of the oldest houses in Anderson. So you go from a long way back there to where you have all of these people moving in here. I mean, the population of the state's over 5 million. When you and I were running around, it was 2.5 million. And now it looks like there's a possibility of another congressional seat. So all this is interesting, giving South Carolina more clout and giving us more clout. But that's one of the challenges coming up in 2020 is redrawing all of the political jurisdictional lines. That will be interesting. Around the county, let's just do a quick round the county before we go any further. What, what's happening? Everybody kind of, we'll get to the, the busy, busy. Let's talk about the south side of the county, the south um, eastern corner of the county. What, what's going on down that way? Uh, well, if you go to the town of Williamson, which we just got off the phone with, they're planning a big balloon festival. They have a very vibrant downtown program that they're working on. So Williamston is uh, really doing a lot of interesting things to try to increase business in that area. One of the Pe oldest parks in the... A Springwater Park because it was a resort. There used to be a huge hotel and people would come from all over the country to take the waters there. And now you can still go take the waters over there. You just walk down there and take a cup and you're drinking that spring water that people used to come from miles around to drink. Pelzer, there's some private developers. Things are really exciting going over there. The county has been engaged for a long time in cleaning up those old mill sites in conjunction with Pelzer Historical Society, which has done a fantastic job, and the town of Pelzer. So that's going on. And uh, West Pelzer, Mayor Blake Sanders, he's got everything rocking and rolling over there, working on parks, creating new businesses downtown even if he has to create a new business downtown on his own, and the uh, Art Museum, the Billy O'Dell Community Resource Center, so they're rocking and rolling, and a lot of action that we have currently is up in Piedmont. You know, part of Piedmont's in Greenville, part of it's in Anderson. And there's a lot of large subdivisions that are fixing to go in up there in that Piedmont area. The county's in the process of buying land right behind the Pelzer Dam to put a park there. And we also were allowed by county council last week to pursue, pursue some additional monies to flesh out that park. And as you know, that park is going to be downriver from Dolly Cooper Park, which is upriver. We uh, participated in the historical removing of the old uh, smokestack at Jackson Mill. And that place was packed with people down there to see that. So that was pretty exciting. And so at least half of that mill is being cleaned up because that mill belongs to two different people. In Honeyapath, we had recently- That will help Iva though, is they can get that area cleaned up. They'll have a site for- They'll have a very good site that has all utilities. Uh, in Honeyapath, they're still working on cleaning up the Shakola mill site and they're working diligently on that. They have a real developer who's interested in that. And so we're seeing how that's going to play out, and the county is assisting them with uh, Gail Jeter, who works for us, but we pro she provides services to all of the towns and sections of the county that want to do work like that. In Belton, they're doing some mill removal down there. We were able to work, thanks to Greg Smith, who works for Anderson County. 
uh, provide some space in the landfill for them to haul off some debris from an old mill that they're cleaning up. Uh, we also counsel, or the Finance Committee and hopefully Council will approve tonight a generous donation to the Chili Cook-Off down there, which is one of the biggest events in the county and grows every year. People from all over the country show up at that, yeah. Yes, they do. And I uh, saw where Belton's trying to become a... And Belton wants that HGTV grant, so uh, Allison Darby is uh, working real hard on that, but she works hard on everything down there all the time, 24 hours a day. She's also working on the Natural History Museum. Yeah, another state museum would be in Belton. We'd suddenly have... Yeah, and, and she's probably trying to turn Belton into a spaceport, but we haven't heard about that yet. But she's always up to something. And, you know, recently she spearheaded that move to put the marker in Creightonville, pointing out the history of Creightonville. So in that section of the county, you have a lot of things going on, and uh, it's going to increase. I'm very happy that Anderson County, working in conjunction with Abbeville County, now has an industrial park there that's shovel-ready to go. And so we're excited about that because a company could come in there right now. All utilities are there. Boom. And as you know, and everybody knows, most of Honeyapath's in Anderson County, but a little bit of Honeyapath is in Abbeville County. And Abbeville County, again recently, has pointed out that is one of the growth areas for Abbeville County. So hopefully that's going to continue to be a market center for that part of the world. So a lot of things going on there. That winds us up to Pendleton. If we come back around, that's one of the busiest. Oh, Pendleton's blowing up. They had the uh, state of Pendleton speech uh, last week, if I'm not mistaken, and people were talking about what they want. A, they want the oil mill cleaned up. It's not as easy as you think, because if it was, Pendleton would have yeah, done it. Can, you got just 30 seconds to tell me what, what are the, people, everybody asks, what's the holdup on cleaning that up? Well, the one thing is the town doesn't own it. And the person who has it doesn't want to sell it or give it to the town. And that site is polluted. So whoever ends up with that site is going to spend a tremendous amount of money to clean that area up. And the town has attacked it 15 different ways, and I know they're still trying to find ways to do that. Plus, they're talking about building a new fire station in Pendleton. That'll be very exciting. And uh, it's just the rapid growth in that area, which leads us to the meetings we're having with the town of Pendleton, the city of Clemson, and Anderson County about increasing the size of that existing sewer treatment plant up there so we don't have to go find another site to build a sewer treatment plant because a sewer treatment plant and a jail are two things you don't want to be on the location committee. But that would take care of about half of Clemson for a long time, take care of Pendleton for a long time, and take care of Anderson County for a long time, next 30 years. And that area is not going to slow down. It's going to continue to grow. And they're going to have growth, growth problems and growth struggles. There's a whole lot of things, commercial activity, that's going to Pendleton right now. And some of it we aren't at liberty to talk about. This is all new to Pendleton, too. This, I mean, is, all new, quiet this is all new years. because Pendleton, right over there off the side of the road, I'm glad to say that the county stepped in to help. And now everything on the outside where the old, where the Millican plant still is and all that, that's now in the city of Pendleton. That's provided a great boost to their tax revenue, but also added a strain on services. But a lot of new commercial activities, new pizza place downtown in Pendleton about to open. Rain Zone Mains has a location they're trying to do there. Uh, the Blue Heron has moved out of Clemson and gone into the old Lazy Islander, which used to be Reds before that. So that's going on. And you have a couple of other things. Welburn's Dime Store before that. Welburn's Dime Store before that. <laughs> so you have a couple of other things that are 
going on in Pendleton. So a lot of that that's happening out on Clemson Boulevard is going to fund what's happening in downtown Pendleton. They've just done the new streetscape project up there. It's not new now, but about six months. So everything is wide open there, and everybody wants to go to Pendleton. So, and the county's making a concerted effort to bring all the towns together and let's try to be a united front when we're recruiting and doing things, correct? Well, I think it's very important that we remember that the towns and council feels this way. I'm just articulating what they say is that, you know, they're, they're towns, but those people are also Anderson County citizens and we need to be of service and provide what they need to the best we can. We have grant writing staff here, second to none in the state, and we offer to write grants for any town that wants us to, or just about anybody that wants us to, as long as it's ethical, moral, and legal. So we provide that service. We also, like I mentioned earlier, provide that Brownsfield consultant that we pay for that anybody can use and talk to. Just a lot of things we do like that, and I just think it's very important that we do that. And a lot of my background before I came back to the county for the second time was working with small towns, and I understand those challenges. They're sitting there with antiquated sewer systems that in a lot of cases were put in by the mills, and they're just falling apart. So it's hard being the mayor of a small town right now, and uh, we want to help any way that we can to lessen that burden because it is a burden. And you mentioned the Brownfield thing. Get, you mentioned some of the other mill projects in closer to Anderson. Are we any closer to cleaning up the sites here? Toxaway Mill, yeah, we'll have a meeting this week on some further efforts that we're going to be doing over there. You know we bought the... Uh, that would be the perfect expansion for downtown to go that way. Well, but one thing people also need to realize that we have a lot of opportunity zones in Anderson County. When that concept came up, we put in, we put in everything to be an opportunity zone, really everything we could think of and then the state not us made the decision on what could be an opportunity zone and not our airports in an opportunity zone which is leading to some interesting things coming on out there but a lot of these old mills to get back to your point are in opportunity zones and that makes it very attractive for investors and for housing and commercial activities because you can just pretty much eat your tax liability away and if you have a whole lot of money like you do, you can park a lot of your wealth in there and, and, and shelter it to a degree. So we've had people coming in looking at our old mills. We've given tours to all the old mill sites trying to gin that up. And uh, that's a concept that's been around for about two years, but people, the financial communities just now saying, yeah, I think there's money to be made here. You think 20 years from now, people won't recognize that it'll be? I hope that those mills will be returned back to their former glory. People always say, well, you know, they're turning the old mills into Greenville into condominiums. And I'm saying, that's a great idea. The ones we're trying to clean up are on the ground. Right. And that was a scam deal that went all across the country. Somebody would come in, form an LLC take all of the good, the wood, the brick and everything out of them and then leave town and leave that community holding the bag. And it happened time and time and time again. And it's an LLC with no assets. We, you sue, sue it, what do you get? Nothing. You, you mentioned economic uh, um, opportunities. Do we have any big announcements coming here? We, in have, we, have, we have a very nice announcement that we can't talk about because we're still embargoed from talking about that. So that's Is there good. a timetable somewhere in the future? In the uh, yeah, future? I'm saying before June. We have a lot of expansions that we're working on. Uh, 
I-85, especially in the Liberty Highway area, you have some huge projects that are fixing to go at that intersection. Some huge projects. And some huge, re huge residential going up on Liberty Highway. The 81 um, exit there, too, too, that exit 27. 81. I know that, that some people up there are going through lists of hotels and restaurants they would like to see. That's going on right now. And uh, we are working with a lot of those commercial entities. People sometimes think all we do is, is the big plants. We do a whole lot of commercial activity in providing information and resources. And, uh, I mean, something's changing all the time. I'm, it looks like we're going to have a new Wendy's out on the 28 bypass. So 28 bypass is being reborn and coming back to life, and we're happy about that. The people that we're putting in the old TTI building slash Ryobi building slash Singer building, that's putting some activity in people on that street. The new technical high school is putting people over there on that side of town. So we're really happy about that. And I think that's only going to increase. But everything around here is going to continue to grow. Well, that exit 19 even, that huge development that they keep putting signs up for. That's, that's underway. Uh, the uh, huge development up at Piedmont, if you go up there, there's more disturbed dirt in that part of the world than you can shake a stick at. So you've got a lot of things going up there. And uh, it's just a whole lot going on and a whole lot that's going to continue to go on. And you're going to see a lot of commercial activities that you might have seen in Columbia or Greenville. But now our market is ready for those activities to take place here. So you're going to be seeing some new chains. But more exciting, you're, going, you're seeing a lot of local entrepreneurs deciding to jump in. And across from the Civic Center, you got that new pizza place going in, Fire Pizza. Uh, they're grading land over there across from the Civic Center. I mean, there's just everywhere you go, there is dirt being turned up. Of course, with all of this rain, you're seeing a lot of dirt, but you're not seeing a lot of construction because... You can't work in the mud. Well, and that brings the other challenge, and we've talked about this in, in other interviews, is people moving in, people coming in, they're expecting recreational activities, quality of life kind of things. That puts a lot of pressure on the county to make sure those things are in place. County needs, and we're addressing that at Dolly Cooper Park with our new river trail, with our enhanced uh, kayaks, and other activities that we're adding up there, like the baseball field, through community focus groups, what they want is a baseball field. We have a football field at Dolly Cooper Park, but now we want a baseball field there, and council has pledged to make that happen, so we're excited about that. But another thing that we're doing is uh, we're adding eight pickleball courts out at the Civic Center. Now, and you and I have talked about this, but four years ago I'd never heard of pickleball. And now there are fanatical pickleball players. So we hope by adding these eight pickleball courts, we'll be able to hold championships and tournaments. And uh, thanks to Glenn Brill, it looks like that Special Olympics may get involved in pickleball, and we might be the first test site to make that happen. Another thing, when you talked about all of the towns, what do we and do? Disc golf is a big part of Disc golf is a Dolly big Cooper part of and it. And the Civic Center. And the Civic Center, and that's continuing to grow. And we may put, uh, Councilman Davis is looking at the feasibility of maybe adding another disc golf course out at Dolly Cooper Park. Plus, the Powdersville Business Council is having a big river fest there, and we've got the Saluda River kayak launch. But another thing, when you talked about all those towns, one of the things that the county does now 
is we provide a senior nutrition and recreation program. We do that in Iva, we do it in Honeyapath, we do it in Belton, uh, we do it in Williamston, and we have just added New Holly Light, which is on South Carolina 187, but you and I know as Wild Hog Road. So <clears throat> the county's providing meals in those areas plus recreation, and they're really, really going well. New Holly Light hadn't been open to it, and it's St. Paul's here in Anderson. New Holly Light probably hadn't been open three weeks, and already it's it's clicking. Those areas weren't being served at all. No, they weren't being served at all, and so we're very happy about that. And so we're councils expanding our emphasis on senior citizens things pickleball, and I was talking. I said, "Who who plays pickleball?" They said, "People who are too old to play tennis anymore." So so that's it. So that's really a senior oriented recreation activity. So. Well, man, let's just, we haven't talked about this, I don't think, in any of these interviews, but talk a little bit about Kelly Jo and her senior program that she runs for the county. And she runs that, and we go to different parts of the county, Iva being one in here, Westside Community Huge Center. Huge participation. Huge participation, and we provide exercise programs for seniors. So that's been going on. Now we have the food and recreation program, so all of that's getting around, and we hope to expand that those programs because they are very popular. And, uh, the trail that uh, is still a ways off, but the trail... I don't know if the trail's a way off as it was, because I think you may see some activity this summer expanding the East-West Parkway. And if you've been by the East-West Parkway, you will notice that the bathroom is there, and it's now operational. And we still have some landscaping to do to address that place up. We've already had one group uh, tell us they would be happy to... Uh, name it and adopt it and take care of it but we're not there yet so that's that's been a big hit and we're very proud of that that trail i mean just the parkway walk is full all the time i just but if it go went all the way down behind the ymca I, and I to the civic center to the, and, but and i the, think from the good. ymca to the civic center a really nice walking track it would also benefit all those subdivisions and kids walking to Midway Elementary School, and I mean, it really opens up a whole new walking. It, op it opens up a whole new world, and I know the city's working real hard on their ambitious trail program that would connect into it, and they're to be congratulated for that because that's going to be absolutely fantastic. You'll be able to walk around just like you used to be able to walk around. And there's some dreams, I think, even that Blake Sanders has to get West Pelzer easily to the Swamp Rabbit Trail to have a long... I would love for there to be a trail, and Mac Durham, Mayor Williamston, also has this thing about a trail that goes from Anderson to Williamston, then hook up with Blake, and actually connects there. And there's no reason it can't happen. You know the city of Clemson now is actually doing a little about on their trail reaching down into Pendleton. So that's exciting. And mm -hmm. one day all of these trails can link up. Yeah, we, we were involved in some of that experimental forest trail stuff with the county, right? Absolutely, we were. Up at Fance Grove and all that area up there, uh, former councilman Tom Allen, and others real instrumental on that and working towards making that happen. So there's there's just always 85,000 things going on in the county. Sometimes it's hard to just to remember all all that we do have going on. Well, let's do some little quick updates, things we talk about all the time. The sign on the south end of 85 coming in from Georgia, where are we on that? I'd say it ought to be up in a month. I think we've got our last permit, and then we'll be landscaping it. So. I think that'll be up in a month. The one on the north side, is, it really, you get more and more good comments. It's, it's a good-looking sign. Well, everybody loves it, and we're expecting those comments to come from... And you finally got it landscaped out, too. 
We got that water tank out of there. <laughs> we got that water tank and it looks good. And I want to, you know, we have to thank our uh, building and grounds, really facilities staff for doing all that because that's being done in-house. And uh, also still working on the fireman's monument. You know, we had a fireman's monument that was really a home for ducks. Yeah. It was a duck bathroom. It was a duck bathroom. So we've taken that up and we're hoping to have the plans for the new fireman's monument, which will be a combination of Anderson County funding and fire department funding and things like that. We want everybody to have a chance to participate in it, but it would honor all the firemen in the county and those who've fallen in service. We also- I want to put that on over here, like I said, over at the new courthouse next to Put that over at the new courthouse over there with all the other memorials. There's no reason to stick these memorials where nobody can see them. Another thing the council's been concerned with and working with, we have veterans memorial, but you can't find it. You cannot find it. If I gave you a map, you probably couldn't find it. And it's not handicapped accessible, and it is faded out. And so uh, I spoke with the veterans group, and we'll be speaking with more veterans groups, about do they, would they like to see it moved? And if so, where would they like it to be moved? And I think that would be a great community effort. And it would also tie into the uh, exhibit that's coming up at the Anderson County Museum that's gonna honor all of our veterans in wartime. So all of this stuff kind of fits together in a, in a great big giant jigsaw puzzle. And one of the other things when you're talking about community pride and people is you're working on now is getting rid of all these paper signs that are nailed to every corner and every stop oh, sign that, and every... We, ha we had a sign blitz last week, and I can tell you that we've had zillions of positive comments, but we also had some negative comments. And maybe in some cases we might have been a little overzealous, but I went to the dry cleaners this week, and uh, the lady there, she said, you know, because she's been telling me about a road problem. She lives right off of 28. And she said, you know, I don't know who moved all those signs out, but I can finally see how to get on the road without taking my life in my hands. But maybe in some cases we're a little overzealous. We will recalibrate that. But people, we get more complaints on litter than any other thing. Well, most people know that. When they're sticking a sign there, they're taking a chance. They're not doing, they, they know. And I guess probably there is still some education to be done with people to tell them what is legal and what's not and what the process is and all that. Maybe we'll talk to Greg Smith and let him tell everybody how that works. And Greg would be ideal to do that. So it was success, but we need to fine tune that because we, we did make some groups angry, and I think legitimately so, but we need to be... Uh, working on but that. But it does look so much better. I mean, even it looks near so where much, I live, I mean, it looks can, so much you, better. You, she's right. It was a hazard to be able to see it somewhere. I mean, you can't see. But the county has three full time litter officers. They don't arrest, do armed robberies, they police litter. We have one deputy who is there for the hard litter slash maybe criminal problems. And the sheriff's department sends out two crews every day of prisoners to pick up trash in the county. And if they work in some parts of the county, if they get a mile a day, then that is, it's amazing. So, I mean, the county is expending resources. Greg Smith's group has the adopt a sign, adopt a road program. I think we have 78 roads adopted. But I mean, there's some roads in the county and I participate in every cleanup we have. I've cleaned them up three times and I like to go back in a week to see how they are. And sometimes they're just as bad as they were when we picked up every, even every little cigarette butt. So the council still won't let me hire a sniper, so we're continuing to do it this and way. And I don't want to spend too much time talking about trash, but 
I would like to shout out, I was, I was sort of had an eye opener when I went with them to see them clean up some of these like dumping for people. They find, I mean, hypodermic needles, all this hazmat gear, they have to be careful that they yes. can get poked with a, a needle. You don't know where it came from. That's very dangerous what these guys are having to do on some of these cleanups. Well, you can, like make, up the side of the you can make meth in a plastic bottle now. And, and, they, I, and they leave the label on it, so when they pick and, something and up... And they leave the label up, and if you mess with that the wrong way, you're going to be burned and blown up. So, I mean, it's, it's not an easy job, and our magistrates are working very well with us on putting appropriate fines on Are they getting better on that? Because, you know, for years yes. people complained that was a problem. Even yes, Greg it, Smith has said it had been a problem at points. I think that's an, improved tremendously about doing that because I'm again the big big complaint we have is litter 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 we're also getting ready to take down five more houses demolish five more houses because the money is collected on that so that will also be another help because when we remove those dilapidated houses no longer can you go in there and use them for drug drops and things like that so that's something that we'll be continuing to do forever in a day just never enough money for that, is there? There's, I rode around looking for some of There's never enough money, and with the new regulations in the past, we were able to tear down a house for two or $3,000. We'd gotten it just like that. And now, because of new restrictions, not laws, new restrictions, we have to go and do asbestos testing, even on houses that have absolutely no asbestos. And that has really jumped up the price and reduced the number of houses that we can take down. But uh, Is there anything we can do as a county to put pressure on some of the... Uh, owners that are neglectful or renting the first thing and the best thing which Anderson County has tried and our council has tried Towns have much more enforcement power to deal with this than counties and we have requested Repeatedly and time after time to please allow us to have the same Policing powers that cities have and we could be much more effective and increase the speed at which we do things But that's a call from the General Assembly not anything that we can change here. Any chance that could happen? Are we oh, hopeful? We, we keep beating that drum. We keep beating that drum. Well, here in Anderson particularly, we have some huge sections that aren't aren't incorporated in the city that really are part of the city. And, and Population of the city is probably 28,000, but if you look at the urban area, it's about 80,000, and that's because the annexation laws in South Carolina are antiquated and reflected the idea that we don't want those cities to get out here in our good agricultural land. So we're trying to provide, in a lot of cases, city services in places that aren't in a city. And that, that produces another challenge for uh, law enforcement. Yes, it does. Um, our law enforcement uh, folks, I mean, that we just had their annual report um, talking about, uh, you know, they're increase their drone patrols and they're looking for lost people. They also, I guess the biggest news out of all that was now they have body cameras on all patrol officers. Anybody who will come into contact with the public now has a camera so it protects them and protects the public better. Mm -hmm. And that was a long time coming. For, it's financially, now, right? Well, it was financial, but also making sure that you had the right camera. Some places got some body cameras that you might as well not have had body cameras. But our sheriff's department did an intense, in-depth look at what was the best model, what was the best way to proceed with it, and how to train people on how to use it. So hats off to the Sheriff's Department for that and a lot of other things that they've done lately. Yeah, and uh, the, the emergency preparedness, uh, David Baker was talking about that because it is that time of year. We're going to have an ice storm before it's over with. And they've been, they've been trying to have uh, public uh, meetings to help people prepare for those. Well, David, today, today is Tuesday, and 
David has been sending out alerts from the weather service that on Wednesday we all Wednesday and Thursday we should go get an ark and we should go get it right now because what they're calling for is torrential. And, what? I'll go ahead. And, and when it rains like that, we get lots of calls <clears throat> because, as you know, water flows downhill, and if you're downhill, you're going to have a problem with that much rain. But the good news for that is Green Pond's nice and full. Well, Green Pond is nice and full, so we're not worried about that. Uh, we don't need Broadway Lake filled up right now because we have a lot of work that we're doing rebuilding the seawalls down at Broadway Lake. So it's good for Green Pond, but we need to keep the water just a little bit lower at Broadway Lake for right now. But the Saluda River's running very, very well. And Green Pond now, I mean, just I don't want to get by it too, too fast, is now booked out five years in advance on a lot of dates and big things. They're, yes, I mean, and, and, it's and becoming and, a real destination. And there's other stuff that's coming out at Green Pond, and it continues to provide money. New docks, um, new parking. Of their, their All of that stuff. And... Uh, Council just approved, or they're going to talk about that. Account Finance Committee approved and about better roads in. And, and about 100% of that comes from sport fishing grants, which I'm pretty sure we'll get the third one. Nobody gets three sport fishing grants. And the reason these people are giving us that money is because that money is designated for areas to provide fishing and recreational opportunities. And so our success out there has said they want to be part of it. So here's some more money. Y'all did real good with that money we gave you, so y'all go do that. And you know, sport fishing grants, people say, well, you know, that's just tax money you shouldn't take. Well, it comes on fees coming from the fishing community. So it's fishermen funding things for fishermen. So if they're throwing money out there, Anderson County is going to be the first at, first at the gate to get some of that money. And the economic impact, I think the last thing I saw since it's been open for five years, almost $60 million. For yes, and those people... I, I'm getting redundant, but they buy gas, they stay here, they stay Airbnb, they stay in hotels. I was at a meeting up at the Hilton Garden Inn the other day, and we were talking about some traffic issues right there, because you know there's some traffic issues right there. And one of the things that the man who owned the hotel was, he said, you know, when we have tournaments here, which we almost have every weekend, we have a lot of fishermen coming in and pulling their boats. Hilton Garden Inn has already adapted areas in their parking lot for the fishermen to be able to bring their boats in, hook them up with power, and take care of them. Private industry doesn't do that unless there's some money to be made by doing that. Yeah, and, and I think people who have not been out to Green Pond just as, as citizens who aren't fishing and all, when they go out there, they're like, wow, there's a nice beach out there to sit. There's a, there's lot a beach. Go sit up on the hill. You don't have to go out there and fish. There are a lot of people now who go out there just to walk. And let me tell you, if you walk around Green Pond one time, you've got your exercise for the day. But it has so many other uses than just fishing. Well, you, you know a lot about the history. Do you think the, the folks who put Hart, planned Hartwell Lake had any idea what they, were, what they were doing? I mean, grand scheme? I know. I think Wilt Nehal, who used to run the Anderson Independent and had his own television station and radio program, was a visionary. Nobody's ever given him credit. And had political clout like nobody. Had political clout. Anderson County's never had political clout like that ever in the history of the day. Uh, the mayor was the brother. Mayor Johnston was the brother of a United States senator. The most influential South Carolina senator ever. And so what you Owen D. Johnson, we got to get his name in. Yeah, we do. From Honeypath, South Carolina. Buried at Barker's Creek Baptist Church. People don't know that. And then his daughter was Liz Patterson, who was in Congress for some time. But... It was his vision. I mean, I-85 doesn't have to be where it is. It could have been somewhere else. 
They didn't have to build Hartwell, okay? But he, using his influence, got Hartwell built. And I just believe that that man, controversial as he was sometimes, knew in, in the future that he had to do these things, and these were things that he would never see the benefit, but he knew. And one of the stories I love on that is they say, well, how come it's named Hartwell? And uh, the story goes that he went over there. He was trying to get the Georgia people interested because they had Senator Richard B. Russell at that time, and he was a power. And one of the bargaining chips he used, he said, well, we'll name it Hartwell. It, it could be named after y'all. And so anyway, those are some of the things that came to fruition because of that. And that kind of brings us full circle back around the, while it might not be quite the scope, what we're building here behind the courthouse is going to be one of those projects where you and I won't really live to see all the benefits. No. And that's why it has to be absolutely right, or, or some people will be cursed into posterity. And as they say, I don't want to be in that number. Well, I guess that's it for February. We'll catch up in March. I like a plane. In case you didn't pick up on that, you know, Rusty has been a resident of Anderson County a long time, and he really loves it here. Uh, his wife, Kay, is real big into the history and genealogy and things. It, it, it's very important to them that people remember these things. And he really loves what he's doing, and he loves uh, helping make Anderson County a better place. And there's a lot going on in the county. I think he mentioned the county is has just given the okay to fund a van for veterans to get to and from VA clinics, and that will be a godsend for many of our neighbors and friends. It's, it's a good move by council, and we do have a very large percentage of veterans in Anderson County. And in other news, the, this week you need to know West Market Street on the square is going to be closed till early next week, maybe a little longer due to the weather. It's part of the uh, upfits for the Shock This Block, the citywide plan over the next few years. They want to try to do things to revitalize downtown. So give yourself a little extra time if you're going downtown. I wanted to mention that. An announcement earlier in the Anderson Observer about uh, this new housing development, the Cottages of Anderson. It's called Workforce Housing, and it's a complex with rental housing in a managed community of small houses for those entering the workforce or those with small families starting out or on limited incomes. Prices could be as low as $1 per square foot, and the community is being developed and hopefully being developed quickly on 77 acres near the Anderson County Pause facility. So you should be seeing that thing go up pretty quick. And it will be good to have affordable housing for folks in Anderson who are uh, working manufacturing plants and stuff so they can have a, a nice place to live and they can put aside some money as well. And speaking of pause, let's don't forget to check out the weekly Pets of the Week in the Anderson Observer. Uh, we have the, the, the pictures and descriptions of the pets of the week that they're featuring, but there's also lots of other pets out there. Paws has become a model animal shelter, and if you're looking for a pet, they're there to help you to adopt, not only adopt one, but to talk to you about it, to see what, what might fit best with you and your family, what you need to do to be prepared to take care of them, and they really have done uh, above and beyond what you would expect most people to do. And the folks out there, and uh, they just love the animals, and we really appreciate the work that Paul's does. Another recent feature in the Observer highlighted the chicken sandwich wars, which everybody's talked about. I had a review I did. It's a very detailed comparison of the much ballyhooed Popeye spicy sandwich versus a special order Chick-fil-A sandwich. I'm not going to tell you too much about that. You can read the story. I'll tell you which one I think is better and why, and you can read it for yourself in the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust. Another story that we published in the Observer last week is about Anderson's Second Chance Church, 
which is planning to move into the old Bilo building. I think of it as the Kroger building. Some people think it was a Walmart building. It started as a Kroger there, then became a Walmart, then a Bilo. It's over near the mall. But Second Chance Church hopes to move there in the spring of 2021. The church is likely the fastest growing in this region, with a current weekly attendance of more than 950 each Sunday uh, at the current location, which is in the shopping center in front of Target, sort of between... Fuji and uh, Barbaritos. You're trying to figure out sort of in the elbow of that shopping center. But they have, Perry, Pastor Perry Noble said the church has been a source of hope and healing for so many people and that uh, he wants it to continue to be an environment that all people can come together and be unified around the one purpose that God is a God of second chances. The That current building they're in seats approximately 350 people and they hold three services each week. And Second Chance is growing and out, about to outgrow those three services. They're considering adding another service to meet the demand. And there have been Sundays, actually, where people uh, showed up in such large numbers, the church had just run out of seats. So that, that's an interesting story to see another church growing here and there. We must, best wishes to Second Chance Church as they move into a bright future. And a bright future could also be added to almost any description to discussion of Green Pond Landing and Event Center. There's a, there's a high school tournament out there this weekend, and there's something there every weekend. But a lot of times it's stuff that's international. started five years ago. Hard to believe it's only been five years that Green Pond has been in existence. That facility has hosted numerous national Bassmaster events, uh, FLW events, and attracted anglers from all over the world. We've been on television all over the world from there. It has become the bass fishing place on Hartwell. They were listed as one of the top bass fishing lakes in America. And those events so far have had an economic impact on our area of $60 million. So a lot of people were concerned about how we spent the PCB settlement money. Um, and But we got a lot of grant money, and they've been able to do that uh, pretty much on grants and the PCB, uh, PCB money. Um, they have continued to help it grow. You've seen the bathroom out there and the other facilities they're going to build and eventually build an amphitheater out there. And I talked to Matt Shell, who's the Parks Director Manager for Anderson County. He's really one of the driving forces behind getting Green Pond started and going and its development and its vision. For those who don't want, know Matt, if you drive by almost any time the old courthouse, you'll see the light on in his office. That man works almost more hours than anybody I know. And he has a passion not only for Green Pond, but for all the parks in Anderson County, and also making those parks accessible to all citizens. He has been a real pioneer in ADA efforts as well. Let's start at the very beginning, Matt. Talk about how you ended up at Anderson County, sort of spearheading our effort with our parks and recreation stuff. Uh, well, I ended up in the Anderson County. Uh, I started here with the county in 2006. Uh, when I came in, I had a GIS background and a planning background but my my school my training was in landscape architecture and design so when i came in on the gis and planning i quickly kind of that was from clemson from clemson correct and you came so, down here from where from new york so about an hour north of the city in west how'd you get County. to clemson from up there i had one stopover actually I, when i left i was going to school upstate new york and i went and i was kind of spinning my wheels and so i kind of uprooted myself and moved to hilton head so I worked there about a year. Um, decided to go back to school for landscape architecture. I had, had gotten received my um, uh, in-state tuition status, so I was able. It was, it was either South Carolina, it was either Clemson or Rutgers, and I, to be honest, didn't just wasn't a fan of New Jersey. So I stayed. I stayed and went to Clemson. So I graduated in 2001, um, and, and then spent five years um, managing a landscape nursery tree farm um, business, doing design install all that stuff for about five years and that was then that came over to the county in 2006 so i've been here 
uh, really had an opportunity. What was it like when you came in? What were the park situation? Uh, what was the parks, situation? Parks was, was certainly, it was odd. Um, parks was being handled heavily by a planning, a community planning division of the planning department, but also being held, being helped and helped along by roads and bridges, as well as building grounds at the time. So I would honestly say like, we still get a lot of, we still get a lot of assistance ourselves, our department um, throughout the county. Uh, there's still not a really a dedicated large parks department that handles the maintenance, the programming. We don't do a lot of that. You know, our parks department handles rental venues, um, does host events, farmers market, uh, but we do now have taken on a big role with the with the tournaments that come to town, uh, the corridor development. So we're still a big we still have a big impact on on all the the recreation providers, all the communities. There are 38 parks, so we still stay very busy with the community. However, we don't we're not bogged down with the the maintenance and operations and or um, programming, say, because uh, you know, because the county does not program. So when you got here, you began working on a master plan, right? Uh, 2009 was, or 2008 was a master, there was a master plan project within the, within the planning department. And that's where I was really able to spend a lot of significant time looking at Anderson County from, from a bird's eye view, basically creating a snapshot of what our recreation looked like in 2009. It didn't, and it included more than just the county. It was also city land, federal land, state land, uh, private land, and then school district land. So we're looking at what different agencies actually offered um, what types of recreation, where our holes were, where, how we were balanced or whether we weren't balanced. And we compared that along with, you know, with the, the budding school areas, the school districts or just the, the places in Anderson County, like, say, Powdersville versus Iva Star, Pendleton, um, you know, Piedmont area. And all those plans came about about the same time, or all that data came about about the same time the economy crashed, so. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I think in 2009, we and we actually hadn't really um, fully invested in ourselves or the county hadn't really turned the, the big eye on ADA yet. Um, so in 2009, our, 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 or the, the master plan for recreation focused on how can we build out existing parks or maintain the ones that we have or bring everything up to a standard. And the cost of that time was about $10 million. It was $10 million in 2009 to bring everything up to standard, build, build everything out, um, the way it was to its potential. Um, if we had to have involved ADA and making everything ADA compliant, the number would have been twice as expensive. It probably would have been $20 million in 2009. And today that number would be what? Yeah, well, to the, today that number is going to be vastly um, larger just because of a couple of the big rec projects that we've taken on as a county, um, the corridor development, Green Pond, because those, those, those projects weren't actually, weren't actually in the master plan project because at that time they were so new you, you, we, couldn't even, we couldn't even talk about them. Um, so at that time when the 2009 plan came out, we actually did have those projects underway. It was actually three of them. They were sister projects. It was Green Pond on, on Lake Harwell. It was the fishing pier at Brown Road uh, boat ramp on Lake Harwell. And then we had the, the corridor development on the Sluder River. So we had both those, all three of those projects um, just idling um, and, and moving forward. You had a keen interest in that Saluda River uh, situation from for a long time, right? Absolutely. No, the, the natural resource resources in this in this county. Um, when I first started working at the county, they're just they were still they're such sleeping giants. There was no there was no access um, on the river on our 48 miles that we've identified. There were only two boat ramps on. There were only two boat ramps on the six sections. So there was there was there was sections and corridors of river. They were completely inaccessible, and um, and then at the same time on the lake side, 
the Corps was slowly cutting down their quantity of boat ramps and they were slowly closing ramps um, because of their own budget cuts and we were losing space and parking accommodations on Hartwell for our for our own residents and, and from tourism. And when we received, we were able to, by default, uh, secure the first 2008 Bassmaster Classic, that was an eye-opener to say, to just really to prove, and that's what kind of, that was the, that was really the, the key component. That was the trigger for me. Um, because in 2008, I was with the Parks Department, and I, well, I was still with planning, but in 2008, I was with the county, and I went out on the mornings of the launch, and it was at Portman Marina. I was one of the people at the very end, trying to get as close to the anglers as possible, and, and my feet were getting wet. People were having to back up from on the dock systems because the dock systems were not adequate for the tournament. The dock space was not adequate for the boats. Um, and it was, it, was such a, it was such a blessing to have this opportunity that much of the community wasn't even aware of, didn't even know existed. And so that was the trigger for going after um, some, some significant funds with the settlement, uh, with the settlement, injury settlement to Hartwell um, a couple of decades prior. So that's what spawned those two um, recreation ideas being Green Pond, Brown Road. And in the decree, it did state that there could, they would entertain funding, that the, the trustees would entertain funding to a project that's offsite if it allowed um, the possibility for, uh, for fishing, for consuming non, uh, non-toxic fish or un- unaffected fish, or, and there's, there's a terminology for that. But when presented, when the, when the trustees were presented with the opportunity for the Sluder River Blueway, um, it was actually, it was, t- it was felt to be too far away from the injury site being Hartwell, um, but it, almost instantly in that same breath that came from DNR, they also said, but we have, well, we'd like to, we'd like to help you with this. Um, and that's where, that's really where the, the, we turned a corner and Silver River Blueway became its own individual project separate from the Lake Hartwell improvements. Um, but they all came together at the same time. And you bring together both a background in the planning and the landscape arch- architecture and all this, and you really love the outdoors. I mean, you were, you're really involved in kayaking and the outdoors and the lakes and all in, already anyway. How does that help you? Uh, the outdoor, I was, was exposed to a lot of, through the Boy Scouts, I was exposed to a lot growing up, um, all, all the way through the Scouts, all the way up until just just fell short of Eagle. But I spent my, my weekends and, and um, months and, and summers um, traveling, canoeing, Great Lakes, going you know, 50 mile canoe trips across the Saranacs, um, hiking up and down in, in New Mexico, traveling a lot with with and just and being outdoors. And there was exposed to a lot, and and that was that's so in in my mindset when I come when I think of recreation, it's more than just sports. I also played sports, um, double between wrestling and football. But I found myself drawn to the outside. I'm not a big fan of 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 uh, of a video game. So like for me. Like my, my draw is outside, whether it's fishing, whether it's hiking, uh, camping. So that's where in, in almost initially with the Slitter River Blueway, we knew that there was one, there was a big void. We created something because there wasn't something there. And then we challenged ourselves to make it even better and saying, instead of just trying to address access, let's try to address access for all. So we committed, and Anderson County committed really 10 years ago to change, to meet and exceed ADA um, regulations in all of our projects. So our highest profile recreation projects being Green Pond, Brown Road, and Slitter River Blueway are, are all ADA um, legacy examples. So they, they're, significantly re- they're, sig- they're regionally significant in the state of South Carolina. 
and the, and the southeast. Yeah, we're we're not we're the leader by far, right in South by Carolina far. of the ADA stuff. Has having that love for the outdoors given you a, a sort of a keen eye as to what kind of things we need here? And yeah, it, it's being being a yeah being outdoors as much as I have been my life or, or experiencing outdoors throughout my life has, does give me. Uh, it makes it easy to talk about. It makes it easy to draw people in. It makes it easy to get partners and people to get excited. So, you know, at, here in the, in the county, Anderson County prides itself on its partnerships. And so we don't have a hard time talking about it, um, you know, speaking to people about it and, and, and bringing on partners. So it's, it is nice when we're almost immediately outdoors. My mind's thinking to trails and how we can marriage, uh, you know, bike trails with, with walking trails, with disc golf trails, and how we can spur and make things different and, and just add to it. Because Parkland is uh, it's certainly at a premium. And so now, fast forward from the plan, we were, last year County Council uh, allocated some resources to evaluate all the parks that we have. And where are we on that? I know they evaluated it and there's got some priorities for this year. Where are we on that? Twenty, The year 2020 will be the biggest impact year of the Slitter River Blueway since its first ADA kayak launch was installed in 2013. Um, I think in 2013 it was formally installed in uh, with a parking lot and accessible route but in so seven years later you're seeing close to nine hundred thousand dollars of improvements to the Blue Bay as a whole up at Dolly in Dolly located in Powdersville in Piedmont in form of a, of a 28 acres to as a bookend facility for um, for the Little River Blue Bay the first nine mile section and then down into Belton. So, you know, partnering in Belton and having, that's actually section five. So we have developments in section one, section two, skipping down into section five. So this corridor is really taking a huge growth step forward. It's gotten the attention again of Nas National Park Service, as well as uh, the, the River Con Conservation Assistance Program. So that's, that nationally is letting, letting people know that we're, so nationally we're, let's see, so we're gaining national attention with this calendar year of, of committed events. And all the and, 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 and our goals right our our construction our construction goals right now are to be completed by June second. All right, let's stay with Dolly Cooper Park for just a minute. This seems like a lot of resources have already been set aside for this year for Dolly Cooper Park. Remind people a little bit about what's gonna go on there this year. Well at Dolly Cooper Park we are working we're gonna be installing a fifteen hundred linear we're going to be inst we are going to be installing a 1500 linear foot ADA access trail from the existing boat kayak and canoe launch 1500 linear feet south um, we'll be installing a 1500 linear foot ADA access trail from the existing boat ramp down river to a secondary access point this will allow parents to bring whether they whether, whether it's the parents and they bring their kids and they put their kids in the in the river with a kayak and then they meet them down the river to help them take it out and then because it's on on tubes. level grade tubes it's kayaks it's tubes it's the angler fishermen that you know there's a lot of there's a, a lot of tubes outfit um as a float so you can just kind of jump in the water and kind of float back and forth and find your way there's red-eye bass there's catfish there's there's you know there's a lot to, the river has to offer that people really don't think about and because the the lack of access in the past is what's going to really make this a, a huge recreation opportunity uh, and so that's a, that's about $350,000 project. That's going to include a fixed pier system that's going to just it's meant to improve the ADA access from the parking lot out to 
the edge of the first kayak launch. We talked about this before, but when you, when you meet ADA requirements, you also open it up to a lot of other populations, elderly folks, people who might just need a little extra. Right. Yeah, if you design for ADA accessibility, you increase the user enjoyment of, of, for everyone. And that's that's the bottom line. It's not it's not built so it's not built. It's There's also going to be a base new baseball field coming out there this year, and the money's already set aside for that. Yeah, aside from that too, and, and that's and that's a good that's a good point to remember. There is a commitment to to help ref, help. There is a commitment on the county's behalf to bring the salt the existing uh, baseball softball field online. It was rough graded about ten years ago in the first construction phase uh, for Dolly Cooper, but this was also following the economic downturn, and so ultimately it, it did sit idle. Uh, so we're at, the, county's actually, the county has committed to re, um, revisit the plans that were there, meet with the stakeholders and the, the recreation programmers that would actually... You figure out. Okay, so yeah, the county's commitment to the baseball field is coming on the, the, the heels of the football field that was just open. So more attention is being is being focused on Dolly Cooper as the community really starts to build the support and and get organized up in the Powdersville area. So the, the football field was open with a walking track around it. It certainly has its own needs as well, but the rec program, the rec programmers are are you know needing field space for baseball as well. And that was that's what really started the discussion for um, for refining or revisiting the baseball field, bringing it online. And that's, that in, that itself requires ADA accessibility. And so that's something that we're looking at right now, knowing that we still don't have a master plan for Dolly Cooper. So over the course of the really almost the 15 years that Dolly Cooper has been an idea before it was a land purchase, before it was phase one, is the rec programming and the rec needs of the community have changed dramatically. And that's what we keep having to evaluate when so much time goes by with with, without the support, without the drive, without any kind of, of, of action, um, different rec comes in. Disc golf has come in to really be a big impact player up at Dolly Cooper and wasn't even on the map originally. Water recreation was never on the original con conceptual design. So we've been evolving as a, as a community. Um, well, the, the park has really been evolving with the community that's still evolving to my, today. Powdersville, as you know, is, is the fastest growing town in an uh, unincorporated town in Anderson County. And Wes Pelzer Mayor Lake Sanders, who's also a landscape architect, is going to kind of spearhead the master plan for Dolly Cooper, correct? Right. Yeah, Blake Sanders, who's the, the, the mayor for West Pelzer, um, also he's a registered landscape architect. He teaches, he's a professor at Clemson as well. But he's, um, aside from being just a, a, an upstanding community, example of a community resident, he's, uh, he's about recreation and, and, and community development in Anderson County. So, But he's, he's got a niche um, for what he does um, on Blue Bays, Trails, um, bringing and doing these charrettes. He's, he's actually performed a charrette for us in the past up in Pattersville. But again, as I mentioned before, we're going back into an evolved community. Some different things are a priority. So we're gonna sit back down again and start these community meetings, which Blake is gonna lead and help to all of us to sketch out um, plans and examples and, and, and really the future of Dolly Cooper Park. And there will be online places to, if you can't make it to the meetings, this is going to be like a year-long process, right? It is. A, it's a fairly lengthy process because there are there's some significant acreage at Dollar Cooper. We do want everybody's input um, on what can be there. There are going to be some things that we can um, facilitate, and, and there's going to be some things that the community collectively or as a majority 
wants to see put in and we're going to know what those things are, there's going to be some things that people want that unfortunately may not wind up in the master plan. Um, but whether it's due to um, their, the, the lack of overall um, impact or funding or or just or space. So we won't obviously we're, we'll be limited by the by the boundary lines. And so we're going to do we want to balance sports recreation with passive recreation, river recreation. So there's going to be a balance in there. Um, it's going to, and it's going to be a, a very versatile park. Now the other parks are still being evaluated. Which ones the communities are still using? Which ones the county can keep up that are being used, and then the others maybe do something else. The Anderson County went through a process last year. Where we kind of we did evaluate the existing parks, try and made sense of which ones were were maintaining, which ones the leases are expired, which ones we've we've um, improved in the past five years versus ten years versus fifteen years. Looked at our maintenance costs, our utility bills. Uh, so we looked at we did look internally at the 38 parks that we did have and try to identify ones that we could comfortably or um, or justify stepping not continuing the leases for because certainly where we can minimize our involvement in other parks especially if they're non-county owned then we can focus that money on county owned property so we did internally investigate some of those and we were able to we were able to thin a few off of our um, park list but we find ourselves still very much um, very much associated with the majority of parks that were majority of the 38 that we that we've long talked about that's whether because in each county council district the nature of the parks differ greatly and we have some with only two parks we have some with two parks and maybe only walking tracks versus some are majority of boat ramps versus sports complexes so you can't it's not easy to compare district to district um, but so but we have a firm grip moving forward and we also have a commitment on the maintenance level the level of maintenance with that we as Anderson County facilities is committed to the, the parks so we're putting out to bid this actually it's out on the streets right now is a, is a new maintenance maintenance um, budget or maintenance bid so that we'll be requiring sort of a level of uh, level of attention at the parks that's really a little bit more than we've we've done really in the past so in that but that translates we're doing a little bit more in 38 parks we do expect an increase but we do we do hope to to gain um, some better some better curbside appeal at, at all of our facilities, and the facility that really is the the one that, with continued potential and the one that's generated the most economic activity is Green Pine Landing and Event Center. Uh, there's a lot of construction going out there. Tell me a little bit about that and also some of the ideas for the future out there. Right. Because Green Pine Green Pond Landing and Event Center is is becoming more and more an event center. It's nicknamed short just Green Pond Green Pond Landing, but it's its full name is is does pull in the event center component. You probably end up bleeding some of that stuff out. I just got wordy. Um, but Green Pond is is we just celebrated Green Pond's fifth birthday um, on December nineteenth of last year. So at that point, at five years in operation, the economic impact to Upstate South Carolina is fifty six million dollars, uh, which is significant. Um, the economic impact to upstate South Carolina in the, in the past five years is $56 million. We certainly see, we certainly have a lot on the horizon. Uh, the classic, we are looking to, to try and, and secure that in the, in the coming years, uh, which is significant in itself. But we do have a couple big spring uh, to 20, 2020 events coming in that will bring in bass and other high-profile tournaments into our area, which will be significant economic engines or significant economic impacts 
brought attention to the lake in ways nothing else ever has, too, right? Right. The attention to to Lake Hartwell has been has been notably improved by by the organization Bass. When the first when they started spending time with this after the first, the attention to Lake Hartwell has certainly increased exponentially along with the use of at at, at Green Pond Landing. Uh, we were on the top 100 bass lakes uh, for a number of years since bass first came to town in, in 2000 in 2015 with the return of the classic and we have we have we're still building every year we're investing into green pond to constantly change the face of it to improve it and to really try to build out the master plan uh, right now we're under construction with a nine hundred thousand uh, dollar infrastructure improvement which is uh, ultimately, ADA parking down by the down by the landing, which was part of the original design ten years ago. We're straightening out roads that we had to avoid because of rock, uh, between, because of rock in years past. We have a couple. We have a grant out there right now that we're waiting to hear back from regarding roadway improvements. This would help widen some of the radiuses in with the radii in Green Pond to make them wider, so we can accommodate a semi-trailer coming in from the perimeter road all the way around and making it to the top. To the top there. This coming 2020, the spring of 2020, we are anticipating the beginning of the amphitheater project, which will bring in the, some of the lower terrace seating, terrace seat walls for the amphitheater, along with raising up the drive-through weigh-in lane. The drive-through weigh-in lane is a component that will significantly change the face of tournament weigh-in when it's established, because right now we're actually weighing in in part of the parking lot of Green Pond. So we're compromising, we're losing some of our parking uh, and we're not able to use all the facility the way it was designed. So that's going to be a big, that's and, going to be a big component. And the amphitheater can be used for things beyond fishing and tournaments. I mean, correct. That's the event part you talked about. Right. And that's yeah. The event, the the event center part of Green Pond is is where we're starting to really develop now. Um, initially, you know, since two thousand, this since two thousand. Well, since 2014 when we opened, it was the core components of a boat ramp facility, which was the, the intent of our grant and the settlement dollars that we received was to build a boat ramp with those dollars. Now we're expanding into the event center components, which are the amphitheater, which is going to be more than just weigh-in. That's going to benefit weigh-in weigh -in events and tournaments, but it's going to give way to outdoor concerts, uh, weddings, uh, all sorts of educational opportunities, theater. So that's... That's going to be that's where we become the lakeside um, event center that is going to draw uh, huge crowds throughout throughout the year. So that and that access once we start to the amphitheater project and the drive-through Wayne Lane, we actually then are able to kick off the 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 we're then able after the amphitheater and the drive-through Wayne Lane plaza begin, then we're actually bringing in the phase extension or the phase expansion of the dock system with a 320-foot courtesy dock. This is going to be the weigh-in dock or an opportunity for people to fish from in the big water part of, of Lake Hartwell. So this will this will be huge and significant for all sorts of other events. Uh, you know, the sailing club comes loves coming through and swinging by Green Pond in December with their with their decorated lights. Um, we've got a lot of interest at Green Pond for different activities, whether they're educational, whether they're government related. So it's it is becoming it is slowly becoming more than just more than just a boat ramp. And if if the funding became available, particular uh, some sort of event center building is in the vision casting stages, isn't it? Yeah, to say yes, uh, to say the least. We we are looking. We have identified a spot on on Green Pond that otherwise was 
going to be reserved for for future development, though it was unsure. Um, that is going to be a, potentially a, a fifteen thousand square foot expo space. It's something is just is our is what we're starting with just to look at to consider because um, for the events that that go on at Green Pond and again the events that are component, there needs to be some sort of a building. So we've long known that we were going to. We've long known that we've long planned for a building out at Green Pond. I think the size has probably increased a little bit with the past five years of the success and be running the events and seeing what we need uh, versus what will help us uh, expand. And um, the success of Green Pond and these other things we're talking about are all tied directly to overall economic development in the county, not just tournaments and stuff, but industry looking to come here, one of the first things they look at is recreational lack of opportunity. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, when companies do look at Anderson County, uh, there's there's significant potential in Anderson County because of the raw land that we do have, the potential for commercial investment. But the natural resources that we have as a county are, are, are extensive. And that's something that we, that's, that's, that is something that sets us separate, that sets us, um, that sets us, Messing that one up. No, you get it. That uh, that is something that sets us aside from other other counties, and we have we have capitalized on Lake Hartwell. Um, as you know, there are two other boat ramps on Lake Hartwell, mega boat ramps in the Georgia side. Uh, exit 19. I think I've gotten off track. So, um, so yes, when companies look to to open up new doors or expand or relocate, they are looking at Anderson County because of the not the the. They are looking at Anderson County because of the development that we're and the commitment that we have towards recreation and a diverse um, and diverse recreation. Yeah, that quality of life component quality, seems yeah. to always yeah. come in there. To so, what are we looking at? Like we're talking about the last ten years or so. What's the next ten years going to look like? Do you think? Uh, well, our budget year only our budget year goes out five. So we try to look at five, and whether it's realistic or unrealistic, we do we do put a we do put a goal on a five-year completion. Um, we do end up kicking that. We do end up we do end up rolling the budget year to year beyond that. Uh, but in wrapping up this nine hundred thousand dollar current construction project, starting some in-house terrace amphitheater seating, uh, the you know SEDNR has been has been our best partner through this project from the very beginning. We couldn't have done what we have. What we have, we couldn't have built what is out there today, without South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. And so they are—they're actually looking to come in and, and help us uh, again, partner on another project in the future, because as they say, it's—it's—it's it's, it's not hard to justify their funds when when they're supporting projects like Green Pond or the Brown Road Fishing Pier. So you know, moving forward, we'll have this. We'll have a significant. 2020 out of Green Pond, the same way we're going to have a significant 2020 on the Saluda River. Uh, you know, in the future, the future years at Green Pond, aside from the expo, the expo center that we look to to build um, somewhere along the way, we also have three more boat ramps to put in and another L-shaped courtesy dock to bookend what we currently have there. So now that we're moving the parking back and, and doing this and completing this turnaround improvement at the, at the, at the lake's edge, that's going to open us our our ability. That's going to open our ability to to schedule and phase that part of the of the improvement. So in the next five years, in the next ten years, in the next ten years, I'd like to think it's all done. Um, I'd love to see in the next five because it could really we could put it all to good use and help um, really significantly in, increase the the economic impact to this to this 
to this area. And for people who want to get just a glimpse now, they can go out to Brown Road, the boat ramp there, and mm -hmm. see what's been done there. It's a really yep. nice facility, and yeah. a lot of people are using that. Yeah, Brown Road is very active. It's one of the it's one of the only places that you can walk that far out on a fishing pier. I mean, it's a it's a 180 foot 100 Brown Road fishing pier is 160 feet out into a cove. So when the water's up and fish spawn is 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 near, which is in a couple months, you're going to see a lot of people out at Brown Road fishing during the day, during the night early in the morning um, and it's right it's within a half a mile of the city limits of, of Anderson of city of the city of Anderson downtown Anderson so it's well, not downtown Brown Road boat ramp is located with a half a mile from the city limits of Anderson that's right and the next the other way people can get a good glimpse of the next two big events we've got two big events coming to Dolly Cooper tell me about those two well part of the the 1500 linear foot ADA access trail is scheduled to be completed by May 2nd the May 2nd, May 2nd is the Rhythm on the River. That's what the uh, Easley Powdersville, it's a Powdersville Chamber of Commerce. It's not Powdersville. It's the Easley Chamber of Commerce. It's a greater Easley, I think, is what it is. Okay, so, so the 15th. Let's just talk about the event, not yeah, mention do that. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so May 2nd is the, is, May 2nd is the scheduled completion date for the 1,500-foot access trail and the, Ideally, the, the two kayak launch improvements. Um, that May 2nd is also the, the event, the first Powdersville. May 2nd is the Powdersville event called Rhythm on the River. It'll be the first, hopefully, May 2nd is the, May 2nd is Rhythm on the River. That's, I'm messing myself up. So Okay, you, you take a deep breath. Try, and basically, it's right. first chance people have to see all these improvements. Yeah. That's what you're trying to get at. Right. So, so the... The estimate, the, the completion date for the 1,500-foot ADA access trail and, and kayak launch improvements is May 2nd. That's also the first. That's also the first annual Rhythm on the River, which will be held. It's a it's an outdoor concert event, a day at the park, really to invite the community out, and let people see Dolly for the first time, or see the trail, or just engage the the sports fields that are there, see the disc golf, and just really just generate support for Dolly Cooper Park. And then the big annual event coming into year 11 here. Let's okay, talk about yeah. the Saluda River Rally. Okay, so following, following May 2nd, June 6th is the 11th annual Saluda River Rally. That's an event that started off to promote the waterways, to promote kayaking, to get people outdoors. And it's grown exponentially. Uh, so last year was our 10th, or last year was our 10th annual, last year was our 10th, last year was our decade event. We had 350 people come out. They drove as far as, Florida flew from Connecticut um, the year before. We had we had a young lady fly from California just to participate participate in the kayaking event because we are we're one of the only events in this region that put people on a 15 mile section of river and accommodate you the whole way. It travels through three towns from Powdersville to Piedmont and Takeout and Pelzer. We 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 shuttle you, we feed you, we give you a T-shirt. It's also a great fundraiser for Special Olympics. So. That is a, that is a that is an event that's ever growing, and that we're we're very quite proud of that. And can people? Is it time to sign up? Where can they sign up now? Uh, people can look. Um, people can look. As far as sign up, people can look. I guess it's on. I don't do any of the social media. I'll check and see if it's up there. Think, yeah. If it's not up there, I won't. Yeah. I'll just cut this off. Right. Again. Um, people can sign up for the River Rally on our on our Facebook page. There's a there. I guess that's where Sharon does it. So people can sign up for the River Rally. They can they can find out. People can find out more about the River Rally by going to our Facebook page. Um, people can find out more about the Saluda River Rally by visiting us at salutariverrally.com. 
So don't forget those events that are coming up. Uh, Rhythm in the Park at Dolly Cooper Park in May and the Saluda River Rally in June. You really need to see what's going on out there at the, along the Saluda River that Anderson County has been working on. It, it, it's very impressive. Um, they, they bought 28 acres out there, and Anderson's going to have the longest, as Matt mentioned, um, uh, Blue Way kayak uh, place, and it's also going to be accessible as, as, as we continue. They do have the um, finishing touches they're putting on the uh, the, the kayak launch it at Dolly Cooper Park now and that anybody and people think don't think about it but people who in ADA they think about people with disabilities but that also includes people who just need a little extra help elderly people children can take care of a lot of things from themselves from these launches and it's a really good thing for the county and we appreciate all that Matt does and another thing that is impressive in Anderson County is our library system I've mentioned this before um, it's always at the top of the list of the best libraries in the state, and it's run by Faithline, and she's been running for, for more than a decade, and she was recently inducted into the Library Hall of Fame, so she's a Hall of Famer. We don't have a lot of Hall of Famers in Anderson, but she is a Hall of Famer, and Faith runs it along with her staff, and she has quite a staff out there. We've had some of them on the, um, the podcast before. I know Brianna McDonald's been on talking about several things and some others. But one of the staff members I want to talk about today is Annie Sutton, who was recently promoted to the assistant library director. And she replaced the retiring Janet Price, who Sutton says was a great mentor to her, and she really learned a lot from her, and she appreciated all she had done. We wish her well in retirement. But I did talk to Annie recently about her lifelong love of libraries and her new role as the assistant library director. Let's just start talking about Growing up as a reader, do you remember the first book you ever read? Um, I don't know that I remember the first book that I've ever read, but when I was really little, we used to live just down the street from the library um, in Evansville, Indiana, and my mom and my brother, um, we would walk down there because it was just like a couple blocks away. Um, so we would walk there and we would get just piles of books. <laughs> and then bring them home, and then we would get to sit in mom's bed, and we would just read book after book after book. So that's kind of how I started, like, going to the library. Um, and I remember being involved in the kids' department and doing some plays and different things, um, which, interestingly, has not spilt over into my adult life. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I've always been an We've always been a readers, um, and we were always taken to the library as kids. And even as we would get older, uh, we would spend a good amount of time at the library. I mean, we would just go and be there an hour or two sometimes. So, so your love for the library is a long. It's story. a long-standing thing, um, and it's interesting that I didn't really think of it as a career until sort of the end of college. Um, I was. I majored in English undergrad and originally I was going to teach and then I decided I didn't want to do that um, and I was doing an editing internship my senior year of college and I had this awesome um, supervisor mentor person who was helping me with that. I didn't think editing was my thing, it's a little too finicky for me. <laughs> um, so I was looking at other things and I had seen some things about libraries and then she suggested library school at Indiana uh, University where I was and she's like you could just get in really easy you could do it for um, you know just a you would could finish in a year and a half or two years depending on how you do it why don't you look into it so I looked into it and applied and I started that spring and I started that fall so I went straight straight through school 
Well, before we get too far on your library journey, yeah. uh, were there any books that really influenced you growing up or that you remember reading or even even now that really have influenced you? And Yeah, um, so I was a huge like Anne of Green Gables fan uh, growing up and all of Ellen Montgomery books, I, would, I just devoured all of those. Um, I, I remember really kind of liking series as a kid. Um, Laura Ingalls Wilder, um, gosh, I don't think of some others off the top of my head, but uh, I read a lot of classic stuff, Little Women, um, all of those kinds of things, so. Do you remember that librarian? Was that librarian somebody you remember when you were growing up? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure her name was Susan, um, but I don't remember her last name, so. Um, but I can remember, I can picture the library in my mind, and I can, rem I think I remember walking there, but I definitely remember reading and everything too. So, so you get out of library school and then what? Do, where do you go from there? Um, when I finished library school, I started working in my hometown um, as the teen library assistant. Um, I actually graduated library school early. Um, I finished in December instead of going all the way to May or June. Uh, so I spent just like six months uh, waiting tables and then I moved back home and I started working as the teen library assistant in um, Newburgh, Indiana um, at the Ohio Township Public Library. Uh, so I did that for about six months before I moved here. Um, so that was my, my first real library job and then moved here six months later in November of 2006. So. I have been here for a long time. What was your impression of Anderson when you first moved here? Well, um, it was good actually. I, um, I had been looking at places all over um, and had been to a lot of different towns that I didn't really love. And um, so I actually thought it was a pretty good impression when I first came. Um, I came, you know, I came, I drove down here for an interview, uh, stayed overnight and then drove back to Indiana and came back again once I got the job to sort of look for housing and all of that fun stuff that you do when you move and I was excited to move here yeah so. and, and remind people who haven't run into you much what all yeah. have you done here at the library since you've been here you've been here a long like so you've been here a long time right so over 13 years now um so I started in reference and as a librarian one um it was my first job tell and people then, what reference does okay so reference just um helps people with research, helps people with computers, helps people find nonfiction books, um, anything that's that's really dealing with all of those things. Interlibrary loan, periodicals, all of that. And if you think of the main library in Anderson, it's everything we do upstairs. So, so that's where I started. Also, usually librarians will uh, purchase materials, and so that was the other thing that I started doing. The kind of those two things were my, my first things. But then Faith came, um, Mr. Stone retired, and Faith came as the library director um, within my first year of being here. And one of the things that she thought we should have is a teen section. And I had experience with that already, and I liked doing it. Um, so uh, that was sort of a good fit for me, and I sort of slid in, I interviewed and slid in for um, the teen librarian job. And so it was kind of a a dual role for a while, reference and teen, and that's when we established the teen department. 
uh, the Gam Gambrel Teen Room, which used to be in the, the back of the library and it has been moved since. Um, yeah, y'all built quite a, a, a place for teenagers to come and hang out. We did, uh, and that was super fun because it was from the ground up. Um, you know, we found the space and I actually worked on, this is silly, but worked on the flooring in the, in the space. We picked out all the furniture, we moved the books upstairs and just kind of created its own area. And then also started doing programs because um, we had never really had any teen programs in Anderson before. So after that, I did that for a couple of years and then um, the Powdersville branch library, the branch manager job opened up and I decided that if my long-term goal was to be a library director, which it is, um, that that would probably be really, really good experience for me to get. So I applied for that job and was the branch manager in Powdersville for over three years, um, which was super um, interesting. You learn a lot about managing a building, managing people, um, just kind of doing everything um, from opening the door in the in the morning to just shutting it down and all of those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, so three years with, at Powdersville and then I spent a short period after Powdersville as the extension librarian managing just the branches. Um, if you think about the main library that we have a basement, which a lot of people don't know, and that's where my office was at the time. And it also managed the bookmobile and the staff that do the uh, delivery services every day. So, to remind people how many branches Anderson County Library has. I mean, people that, that don't yeah. realize how far-reaching the right. library is. So Anderson County is really big, and that, I think, is the thing that people don't know. So we actually have eight branches. Um, I can list them really quickly. It's Belton, Honeypath, Iva. Uh, branch in Williamston, Piedmont, Powdersville, Pendleton, and we have a small uh, library in the Westside Community Center in Anderson as well. And then we also have the Bookmobile, which goes to other places uh, that we don't necessarily have libraries. So A lot of seniors get to take advantage of the Bookmobile and stuff? I would say yes, there are a lot of seniors that, that use it. We also tend to go to some schools um, that don't necessarily have a library in them. So yeah, so that I did for, for about a year and a half, I think. Um, time might be a little less. Um, and then our circulation librarian retired. And the job that I was doing sort of got combined with circulation. And I moved into that job and I did that for five years. Um, and I really love working circulation, actually. I love the sort of just the checking books in, checking books out, sort of the mechanics of just the basics of a library and what everyone thinks that we do. Um, so I was managing the circulation department and the branches, which really, um, it was a good fit with those two services because when you think about those basics of a library, all of our libraries do that. So being able to sort of combine those things and think about procedure and policy, I think was a good thing overall and helped sort of with flow and, and moving things in and out, so. And then? And then, um, yes, I was hired as the assistant director at the end of December. I started officially January 1st. Um, my 
mentor and wonderful boss Janet retired at the end of December so so here we are so now I'm the assistant director and we're figuring that out well and last year you were recognized statewide you had a yes. statewide award for yeah that was really surprising very humbling um, the South Carolina Library Association um, gave me the outstanding librarian of 2019 award um, you are nominated by people you your peers people you work with so I, I knew nothing about the nomination and then I got notified that I'd won and um, it was really super cool so yeah and you mentioned mentors you've, you've obviously got a couple have had a good, good mentors here at Anderson County Library I have yeah um, Janet Price who did just retire um, she worked here I think she was here for 12 years about um, and she is, was awesome um, just really helping me learn how to to supervise people and to think about how to how to say things and talk to people and sort of put put those things together um and you know faith's been awesome too she's really done a lot for the library since she's hall been. of fame yes hall of fame that was her award faith's hall of fame member hall of, yeah faith <laughs> for 2019 yeah. yes so don't she thinks that makes her seem old but i think it just make, makes her seem important right. so <laughs> well one of the things too i think that separates you from a lot of librarians who've been in and out of here is you're very active in the community you do a lot i mean i, I was trying to make a list you couldn't you can't even really keep up with it between the united way and pause and the book club you run let's talk about some of the things you're involved in okay um yeah i actually really love being part of the community um it, it just makes you feel more connected i think um so one thing i do is i'm the chair of the young philanthropists with the united way um so i'm on the united way board and then also with United Way, I um, serve on one of the vision councils for basic needs, um, which helps uh, sort of allocate money, the grant money, to those organizations in town. Um, so it's, it's a lot of responsibility. Um, and then the things, other things that I do, um, and I've really only done this for the past year or so, um, because I was looking for more ways to get involved hands-on. I think that's what, when I when I work hands-on, I feel like that's when I'm making a difference. Um, I used to be on the Anderson Area Farm and Food Association board, and that was the, the group that did the Tuesday night market um, in Anderson for a long time, and that was super fun, and I loved doing that. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have that anymore, so I was looking for another way to, to get involved, and so, for me, um, I love animals. I wasn't sure how it was going to be um, to to work at the shelter because um, it is a you know it is an animal shelter and there's lots of dogs there, so specifically dogs for me. Um, but it was great. Um, Paws has an orientation. They they are straight up and honest with you about how it works and everything, and train you in. And then one of the great things about volunteering at PAWS is you can go whenever they're open. Um, so that really like fit into my schedule well. And I try to go at least twice a month, sometimes a little more, it just depends. And I just go and walk the dogs and hand out loads of treats and stuff like that. And I've really enjoyed doing that because um, you just, they do a great job at PAWS for one. And then um, very passionate director out there talking about 100%. And they've really changed that place in the past, you know, three or four years and you, you get to see like you know you oh the dog got adopted there's a lot of like 
good feelings um, with the number of animals that that get adopted and and all of that so and then the other thing that I, I got involved with this year was the law project um, I felt like well I really love those guys um, they really treat people with respect and like they're humans and um, serve dinner and allow them to get other necessities two nights a week um, and it's just nice to be part a part of that and see that and for me personally to see people in a different light than I see them at the library um, so but that's, the Anderson County Library has been very compassionate too I know it's been one of Faith's things to try to make yes library a place where people can come that may not have a lot hundred percent I mean you know people people do come in here every day who are likely homeless or low income and use the library and they're welcome here um, and that it's an important part of what we do I, I really do think so um, days like this it's warm and in summer it's nice and cool and absolutely I mean today is so cold and rainy and I had a couple people ask me just this morning you know what our hours here are here and can we stay here all day and absolutely you can stay here all day so um, you know we do have some rules and things that people have to follow and most people understand that it's not an issue so you also run a book club I do I actually do two book clubs but the one that I do outside the library is at the barn house uh, brewery uh, downtown and that's been super I think we've done that for it's a little over three years now um, that we've run the book club there and I think it just this last month, we had like 25 people, which is awesome. So we meet on the third Wednesday of the month um, at 7.30 at night for about an hour, and we just discuss a different book every month. And yeah, I've met a lot of great people that way. It's been super, it's been really awesome. Tell me about the book club here. Uh, so the one that I, I help lead here is the Brown Bag Book Club, and we meet on the fourth Wednesday at noon. And the idea is for adults who work or whatever, uh, that they could bring their lunch and then attend book club. Although mostly we get senior citizens at that one anyway. Um, but that one's been, gosh, we've had that book club for, I would say, six or seven years. Um, I've only probably been part of it for four years or so. So, yeah. So what's next? You're not planning on leaving us, are you? You're going to go somewhere else? I don't think so. <laughs> I feel pretty ingrained in, in Anderson um, and the community and the library. So, no, I, I think I'm going to stay here and I'm going to continue to, well, to be honest, we're working on some reorganization. Um, Faith felt like, you know, sort of me stepping into this job was a good time to sort of think about everything and look at our spaces and uh, look at our staff and are we using things the right way and we're actually going to start working on a strategic plan probably next month start getting it organized and um, then going out into the community and saying hey what do you want to use what do you want from the library what can we give you that we don't have and um, so yeah so I think we've got a lot of new direction going and a lot of new exciting opportunities so and for people to join in all they need is a library card 100 percent, yes um live and live or work in anderson county get a library card and um even if you can't come to the library we have a lot of digital options check them out on your phone you can listen you can watch um yeah so i'd love to get more people in for sure so i learned to read at the age of four and my dad always encouraged me to 
to read as much as I could and made sure I had books in the house and also to make sure I had access to the library. And I do have a lifelong love of libraries myself and, and incredible memories of my little library on the Village Green in Pendleton. It's a the little building that's directly across behind uh, Farmer's Hall there. That was the library. And the library in there for so many years, Helen George was so kind to me. And we, I still have good memories of her and appreciate all she did to encourage my lifelong love of books and readings and reading. And... Um, Faith Line here in Anderson's also been super helpful and just continues that kind of legacy. Uh, recently, I was looking for a book, and she was able to find a book that's rare and out of print that I could check out and read, and it really was appreciated. It came all the way from Colorado, and they brought it in for me and were able to track it down. And those are the kind of things that, that you just can't get a lot of places if you, you don't have really good libraries. So if you haven't been to the library lately, check them out. They've got audiobooks. She mentioned some of that. Downloadable Kindle books, movies, magazines, all kinds of th stuff are available at home if you have a library card. And if you don't have a library card, there's no reason not to get one. They're free, and they open the door to an awful lot of stuff, and they'll save you a lot of money. Reading was the theme of this year's United Way African American Leadership Society's annual gala, which was held Friday night. The event was a fundraiser for Camp IROC, which is to help expand the reading programs for young students who are struggling with reading. And that program will be covering most of the Anderson County schools this summer, and they're bringing people in. So they're raising funds for kids who are coming to that and trying to make it affordable and, and make sure nobody that wants to come or needs to come can um, can uh, is unable to come because of funding. And their goal is to have the kids learning to read so they go back to school and they can read. To, they talked about you, you first you learn to read, then you read to learn. So they want them to be ready to read to learn when they go back. And I talked to Anderson County's uh, CPO of the United Way, Carol Burdett, who I've known a long time. She's also from Pendleton. And we, we talked at the event about why they were holding it this year and when, what the, uh, why they were sponsoring our Camp Iron. Well, tonight we're celebrating the Dream Gala. It is an annual event of the African American Leadership Society of United Way of Anderson County. And we're thrilled that about 180 people are going to be gathering. All of the funds from this particular event are going to our new program to help third graders read and go to fourth grade by reading on grade level. And that will be in the sum of $5,000 just from this event. It's an opportunity for us to integrate the African-American community into our United Way, doing good and living united. You know, uh, people forget, United Way is so big that people forget sometimes uh, how many small things that are they're doing to make the community a better place. The event also featured Justice Cox, who a lot of people right here know. He was keynote speaker for the event. He'd been honored at that event in years gone by, sort of come full circle. And he's currently a teacher and a mentor and is really well known in Anderson County. Yes, sir. It, it was very important uh, for me to be here tonight uh, for many different reasons. Uh, but the main one is just because how life becomes full circle. Uh, in 2016, I was honored as the Emerging Leader uh, Community Award with the, award with the American, uh, African American Leadership Society. Uh, the year after that, I, I presented the award, and this year being the keynote speaker uh, was truly amazing. Uh, I do look at Anderson as my adopted city. I came here in 2011, stayed here for eight great years, and they really took me in and embraced me. Uh, so I feel like I'm forever indebted to Anderson County. I met Justice when he was an intern working for Anderson County while a student at AU. Um, very bright young man. I expect us to see him 
doing big things in the years ahead. He's already doing big things now and doing what he can where he is. And it really is great to see his generation working to make the world a better place and giving back to the communities. There's a couple more things I wanted to mention this week in the Anderson Reserver podcast, news from people you trust. First, the Market Theater continues with their performances of The Great Gatsby Thursday through Sunday. Uh, The Market Theater has been a strong addition to the local arts scene, and if you have been to a show there, uh, you know how much fun it is, and this would be be a good one to start if you haven't been to a show there. County Council meets Tuesday night for their regular meeting. If you cannot attend, be sure to check out the coverage and the recap in the Anderson Observer. We do a story and a video recap with one of the council members, so you can kind of keep up with what's going on if your schedule's too busy. And finally, don't forget, this is coming up, South Carolina Democratic presidential primary, anybody can vote in it, you don't have to be a registered Democrat, is Saturday, February 29th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I will say this, though. There are there will be no GOP presidential primary in South Carolina this year, which is very common when there is an incumbent running for a second term. But I would also like to ask people not to vote unless they're going to vote with integrity. Don't use the primary as a venue for going as a Republican voter to try to attempt to sabotage the system by voting for the weakest candidate you think that would uh, could face the President Trump. Um, this is just not. This is one of those rare times when I tell people about voting. Just stay home. If you're not voting for someone, you would be, be uh, believe would be a really good president. Uh, the primary system is is which we've seen the season so far with the mess in the Iowa caucus and other places. But this is one of those loopholes in the primaries that allows anybody to vote, and it really is not supposed to be that the way. It's supposed to be the party that's trying to nominate who they think the candidate would be the best president is, not for the other party to try to sabotage efforts to choose that candidate. And that's it for another edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. I hope you'll join me again next time. But until then. Get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. My funny valentine Sweet comic valentine You make me smile With my heart Laughable Unfold